Uh, welcome to, I think this is episode six, maybe, um, of season four. We're in the book of Micah this week. I guess we're we're not really in the book of Micah. We we did like two verses in Micah. This isn't a slam on Peter. <laughs> we did two verses in Micah, and we read we read something from all from all over the New Testament um, uh, throughout the week. But it is it is based in you know Micah six six through eight, and uh, you know be just, love mercy, walk humbly with God. And before we before we move into it, let's introduce, and this is what I was going to do, is introduce the uh, podcast team this week, and I'm going to try try to be tech savvy. I was just showing this to <laughs> Joel Price, James Wilborn, Matt Mysterick. Matt's got to be in the middle because he's a tall guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're the three amigos. There we go. We're not, um, we're, not the, we're not the three evil guys on the other horses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and per per our conversation before, uh, Peter can be El Guapo. He can be El Guapo. <laughs> um, okay, so. Oh, man. All right. Pretty funny. Micah 6, 8, and, and what Peter, I think, kind of directed us toward is the tension between a uh a, a well-known verse you know micah 6 8 which is a, let's say a formula for what god requires um intention against grace so it's the it's the the tension between face faith and works attention between grace and working working out your salvation or as a justification sanctification i mean so that's really where the where the readings were this week uh we don't have to necessarily restrict ourselves to that you know how that works and we kind of go wherever wherever the conversation takes us but um i'm curious i guess we'll start with what uh was there anything that that stood out to you guys this week um anything that that kind of tickled your your imagination or your thoughts or convictions or or etc so we'll just open it up um with that well um i, I thought the 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 part that Peter um, talked about ahead of this passage where we, we read the stuff where, you know, what, what can I give the Lord? Can I give all these offerings, right? Or, or can I do these things? And, and even can I sacrifice my own children? And that, and that, um, that sort of thing of no matter what you do, no matter what you give up, no matter how much you, you try to earn uh, God's favor by, you know, sacrifice and, you know, making yourself miserable right. by, by it. Can't, you can't, you can't attain it. it, it those aren't, the, you can't attain that uh, from God. That, I thought that was interesting, especially in, in kind of, we talked about um, Isaac and, uh, or Abraham and Isaac and that, you know, Abraham was like ready to do it. But, um, you know, even then God didn't, that's not really what God wanted out of Abraham. But yet, you know, God sacrificed his own son and took on all the suffering and everything. So it, there's a, there's an irony there, if irony is the right word, or just an interesting juxtaposition that, you know, God can't, we can't please God with any of that yet. That's, that's all the stuff that he did, including, you know, the very worst, you know, sacrificing his his son uh, for our behalf so i thought that was intriguing i not sure what i make of it but it was interesting to me i think there is a really in, like 
we talked about this with Jonah. That seems like a long time ago. I think that was last week. Um, but we talked about this with Jonah too. I'd never really considered Jesus as the second Jonah. Kind of, we they talk about Jesus as the new Adam, or is Jesus kind of being the the new Jonah. Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's the same thing here. I mean, what what you see in the Gospels a lot of times is a a perfection of in Jesus of what God has actually asked us to do. He's like, okay, I'll do it. I guess that is the gospel. So maybe, maybe there's a thread there, but, <laughs> but yeah. it is, like I said, it's very, it's, it's really interesting. I think you're right. So the Micah passage to me is, is a, is a, is a great one. It's um, I mean, if you really look closely at it, especially in light of the, we've been studying the minor prophets here over several weeks. Um, in some ways, what Jonah, what Micah is saying isn't that much different than what a lot of the other minor prophets are saying. Um, like if you look at Amos and Hosea and I mean, even the, the non-minor prophets like Isaiah, there's there's similarities there. I think Micah just had the benefit of he he said it in such a succinct, pithy way in that one verse that it's, uh, you know, it can fit on a T-shirt, it can fit on a bookmark or bumper sticker. And it's always been one of my favorite verses, um, but it's in, but as Peter pointed out on Sunday, it's not that it, you can say it quickly and it sounds easy and it has sort of a rhyme to it. You know, everything ends in why act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. It, it's got a beat and you can dance to it, but it's really not. <laughs> it's really not that. It's not that easy. It's easier to say than it is to do. And in this larger discussion about works versus uh, grace, I think there's a risk too that those things, as simple as they are, that we can make them a work as well. You know, um, act, you know those those three things, as simple as they sound, and as as um, selfless as they sound, they. If, if we're not careful, we can make them, a, we can make them a work as well. Right. But that's a temptation. I know it is for me. Yeah. Well, I think it's with everything. I mean, it seems like every, I can, I, I can turn every principle into a contract between me and God, you know, a, a I'll do this and then I get what I, you know, maybe, maybe that's a religion, um, uh, conversation but it's, it's like yeah it's a good thing it's a good thing to do yeah well it's it's interesting because that that ending verse there it's it, it's almost you kind of led into a little bit of a trap of you know the things that are listed before it you know to sacrifice you know uh to bring my sacrifices you know thousands of rams shall for my firstborn etc cetera, etc cetera. those are all just like it just gets worse and worse and worse and it's like nope all he wants is this and yet those last, that, that last expression is an embodiment of the law in a sense that's probably be even more impossible for us to fulfill perfectly than any of the things that were laid out before it. It's kind of like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, that sounds all great. But, you know, Jesus says, on these, all the commandments hang. That's the embodiment of the law. Sounds really good, but you, we can't do that. We, we can't do that. 
Right. We might get close with sacrificing bulls and rams and even, you know, I'm not going to say some child sacrifice. That's terrible. Peter can edit that out. But you know what I mean? <laughs> Those other things are at least at least plausible we could do them if they if they really worked but this what god wants we can't do except if god um spirit enables us to do it not as a work but as a response and i think that's that's what he's really getting to that's what god wants <coughs> but not not us to earn it try to earn it on our own that way because uh, the moment that we do, just like all the examples Peter gave in his in his uh, message, were um, you know, you can carry every single one of them almost too far, and you know, turn it into something that's not good. And so, uh, I, I feel like it's a it's a interesting, uh, a little bit of an interesting kind of being led into a bit of a I won't say trap, but a bit of a conundrum, you know. Of facing law and gospel, they're in one all together in one verse. Depending on how you read it, I, I was I was struck in it because it, it it comes off with the uh, with the Abraham you know is credited Abraham was credited righteousness for I I blew that so Abraham's belief was credited for right as righteousness, but it's it, there's also the verses you know is belief enough? No, it's not. You know even the you know even the demons believe and shudder the and i got into this okay well what is it though because so in 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 micah i mean even in the love your god and love your neighbor i can see how i don't love well i think i act pretty justly <laughs> i know that's arrogant but it and i and i and i fall short but just acting justly and loving mercy seems easier and then it then it hits me with walk humbly with God. And I thought, oh man, I just said I act justly and love mercy. That's not very humble. Dang. For me, the walking humbly part is the part I do the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's the part I got nailed. The it, I think what what I, I kept going around in circles, and I, was, I don't know if you guys can help me with this, but I kept going around in circles this week on on faith. Um it's actually a word that I've I've struggled with for the last couple of years, um, just because, like, what is the difference between faith and belief? And not just anecdotally, but what is the difference between faith and belief? And 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 it seems that faith is inextricably tied to works or action in a way that belief might not be. And then so I I'm. I was trying to reconcile that this week, and I don't know if there's something there or not. But what what do you guys think? I mean, where is that? Where does that? Where does that? What's the tipping point that makes something faith or or make you faithful? I don't know. So, well, I guess I'd say if if there is a difference, I, I feel like that belief is a. Um, it, I guess if I were going to sum it up, it'd be that faith is certainly has a component of belief in it, but there's there is some action and i think even more than just some action it's often some action that carries with it the potential of some kind of risk or some there's some sort of skin in the game involved mm -hmm. in that action that when you take the action um it it, it demonstrates you know a willingness to back up your belief you know even when it might cost you so abraham 
believed God and that was credited to him as righteousness, but he didn't just believe God was talking to him and telling him to go off to the land of or wherever or Canaan or wherever he was going. I am terrible with remembering that stuff, but, um, but he actually went, he believed that he was supposed to do it. Right. And so he didn't earn righteousness by committing a good work of doing it, but he, he believed enough to actually carry it out, even though that, that came with some kind of cost. I'm sure he had to give up, give up whatever he had in his home and what he knew and people and language and everything he was familiar with and go off to a strange place at a time when, you know, that was, that was it, right? A lot of times you left and, and you never came back to that place that you left behind. And so I, I guess if there's, if there's a component of faith that, that is different than belief to me, it would be that, um, Faith is something that is a belief that's somehow um, demonstrable by some sort of action to show that you really, you really do believe. You do not only believe that it's happening, but that you believe it's the right thing, if you will. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying this. I, I do. That's what I, and I haven't been able to make it clear. And I guess that's probably why I asked it and then just <laughs> went silent is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the only other place outside of, of, of marriage or sorry, outside of religion is marriage where you, you tend to hear faithful, you know, you know, are you faithful? Are you unfaithful? And there, there seems to be a, a holding true to your word, holding true to your belief, something embedded in that word or that meaning um, that's critical there. You know, it, there's a, that if you say if if I, I believe that Jesus is Lord, okay, but if I'm faithful to that belief, then I bow down. It, you know, it's something like that. I don't know. Um, but there seems to be kind of from James the, the way James puts it, um that connection between faith and works. You, you can't have one without the other. No, it's it's interesting you bring the James verse up because. And we we read the a James verse and uh, and got to read it side by side with a Paul verse on the same day, and they're both talking about Abraham. What is, what is credit to him as righteousness? Is it right. faith or is it the work? And what James points out to um, your namesake James uh, is that it was yeah it started with faith, but then there was a, a necessary action as a result of that, and the one the action he points out is his willingness to sacrifice his son, Isaac, uh, on the altar. So I guess that is a definition of what's the difference between right. if there's an action or a presumed action or a willingness that goes along with it. Um, those two verses were really challenging. I thought, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good, that's a good, um, way to kind of look at it is, is besides just, faith being something that is belief that involves maybe taking some risk or possible harm to you. But there's also a, a commitment to that the person that, that there's a relationship component to faith that's important, right? If, if the faith that Abraham was showing there in God was ultimately a belief that he had that was not necessarily backed by any you know, at that moment, at least tangible, you know, uh, sign that, that 
everything is going to be okay. But he believed anyways. He believed that God had good cause, that God was good. And if he was asking this, then it must be good, right? And that's, that's a foundation to any relationship is placing faith in another person. And, um, you know, without it, we don't have deep relationships, right? Everything's just kind of shallow and, and uh, transactional. But, you know, in this case, um, that's the, you know, that's the ultimate, you know, willingness to put faith in, in uh, what God is, is telling him, you know, was to carry that out almost to the point that it happened. But, um, and there's probably a good reason why he's in the Bible in most of us, but Still, the, that element that there's a relationship piece to faith, too, that I think is important. Um, you're, you're, you're putting your belief in something else to be good or to have your interest in, in mind, even when you can't quite see how that is true. Right. Yeah, trusting that it will, it will be true, even if it's not evident. You know, yeah. Wow, I think actually I almost quoted a verse there. There's <laughs> believing. What, what is it? The... Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see is what the ancients were committed for. There you go. Yeah. That's the NIV. Confidence in what we hope for. Hey, can, can I ask a, a, on that James verse or the verses out of James, I did catch one thing, and this is really a little bit of a tangent. I apologize. But in James, let's see if I can look it up quick. But in James chapter two, which I always remember as the, you know, faith without works is dead, you know, section. Um, he makes the comment about Rahab. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. And I actually went back to Joshua. I didn't see any reference of her being justified or you know, anything other than unless he unless he's putting it in in terms of that's why she was spared by the Israelites. But I was curious if that is a if that was a um, a Jewish tradition or a, a a church tradition. I mean, I didn't I didn't know. I never Rahab. didn't she end up in the lineage of Jesus? Yeah, yeah. yeah she's she's in the lineage. I believe somebody may have it. Might be a that maybe, but. I think it's probably more, more simply is that, you know, her life was spared, you know, um, right. And God spared her, even though everybody else in Jericho was going to be condemned. Um, but yeah, I apologize for that, that, that tangent, but I, I looked at that and I thought, huh, I don't think I ever remember that, but not sure how to, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I guess I just take, right. I, I take James's word for it. He, he, probably knows more than i do you can take um, yeah i'll take yours also i remember um, when, when i hear these james verses i remember i think it was paul that gave a sermon on this that i really thought was um really helped me wrap my head around it finally which was the idea that it might not have been paul but i think it it, it was but um but the, the the essence of the message was is that um that the deeds are like the uh, the carbon dioxide of when your body breathes. That you know, a body that's breathing is producing carbon dioxide, and right. if not seeing that carbon dioxide being produced by a body, then it's not alive. Even if there's some you know 
fake action, making it look like they're breathing. That carbon dioxide is that sign. And that like deeds were like that. They're like that carbon dioxide, that, that product of that faith life that show that it's there, show that it's living and that it's a real thing. They're not the actual thing that is making the life, but right. they are the indicator, if you will, of that true faith life. Was that, do you guys remember that from Paul? Uh, yeah, I, I, I do. Yeah. I, I, right. P or putting it, putting it simply, the way I remember it is that faith is like inhaling and works are like exhaling. And you can't, you can't inhale forever. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the idea is yes, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're being filled or by, we're being filled by something outside of us when we have faith or when we're, gifted with faith um but eventually it's only natural that you're going to have to exhale you can't inhale forever your lungs will explode and that's works are sort of a natural release of what has been poured into us yeah. um, i that's always stuck with me i don't remember where i heard if it was a, in, in, in a sermon that same sermon you heard it but um that's always been sort of a helpful analogy for me yeah but I also yeah, know that down. I'm also I also know that I'm often in respiratory distress because I <laughs> I might I might want to exhale uh, works, but I start choking in the middle of it and I get it all wrong. So well, I find myself just being a two-year-old holding my breath in the corner despite God. <laughs> <laughs> I will not breathe. I will not breathe. Yeah. Breathe, breathe out, but all that comes out is halitosis. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote down um, in that same that same vein that the I am the vine, you're the the branches uh, verse this week, and I thought, I mean, that to me is 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 a good another illustration of that same thing is that if you are connected, you it's the life that flows through from the roots, you know, or et cetera, to from the plant from the vine to the branches. When the when you're not connected to the vine, you don't have life, but when you are, you produce fruit. And it just, and that's just the way it works. But it did bring up another question. Um, uh, I think, I, I think it's, to me, is relatively self-evident that we have this kind of natural order uh, that, that life kind of flows or, you know, I, I think lots of things, not just life, but flows from God through through Jesus, you know, into the, in the Holy Spirit, but it's like my my ability to be be righteous, if that's a if that's a thing, comes from the Holy Spirit or my or and my and my relationship through Jesus with God. Right? It, it is it is that kind of one way valve that I I I can't I can't produce obedience to earn the relationship you know to get back to god right but but the other one does actually produce obedience right the the, the works actually come out of that relationship but it's but the works don't produce the relationship and it made me think because i i i have heard this in church a lot. can you kind of do the fake it till you make it thing with this i mean i actually hear this a lot with reading the bible or praying or whatever you know, just do it even if you don't feel it. You know, if you do it long enough, you'll start to believe it or, you know, something along those lines. 
is there any kind of fake it till you make it or is that just a i, I don't know or is that just kind of like a a humanistic self-help you know catchphrase i, I don't I don't know. I guess it depends on what what it is that you're faking till you make. I think there's no amount of faking anything that we think will make us righteous on our own sake that that will right. make us that way. But can you produce faith through works? So I I I, I get it. But like the salvation question, I think is easy enough. <laughs> Yeah, but can you produce like faith does produce works? Does works produce faith? That's it. That's I think it can reinforce your faith when you when the, when you do works, and then you see that that the outcome of those works, you know, are aligned with what God you know asks and commands. I, I think there can be a reinforcing cycle there. Yeah, and I think that there's something to the idea that just because you don't feel like it doesn't mean it's not good or good for you or what God's asking. And, and that, you know, when God asks for an action, um, it's not as relevant. I don't think if you're doing it enthusiastically and impassioned out of a, a joy filled desire to do that action, or you're doing it grudgingly because you believe it's what God told you to do, but you're doing it one way or another and the action's happening. And so in some senses, that grudging sort of thing can, can often, I think, yield, um, yield spiritual growth that, you know, maybe wouldn't happen otherwise. Um, right. Because, you know, I, I think there is something to that discipline. But I, I think it's more in the sanctification side of us that the fake it till you make it can aid the Holy Spirit in sanctifying us into, you know, lives that are better and purer and more holy but only because that's just an outcome of you know of obedience and faith that's kind of a perk you know right. if you will that 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 isn't part of our salvation it's kind of like you know extra benefits to to the whole thing so i have a theory on that i've just been sort of meditating on this week as I've been reading some of the verses on why we do works hmm. I don't it's and it's it was some of the Paul verses I can't remember if it was the section in Galatians or Colossians but it's a, the part where it talks about um, getting rid of the old self and putting on the new self and putting on the getting rid of the old self means getting rid of uh, malice and um, hatred and um, putting on the new self means putting on compassionate hearts and gentleness and kindness and meekness and you know the other sort of fruits of the spirit things. And almost every one of those cases, it seems to me, it's not about our relationship with God or about building up some sort of uh, heroic faith. It's, it's really about community. It's really about us being able to mm. get along with and live live in a community of faith and other believers because and i think that's what god wants and in in and half the objective at least with putting on our new self is our being able to live out the kingdom and just live with other people with other people and with other believers i think to in in my mind again this is just a theory that i'm testing this week i think that's one of the great benefits of these works and of the new self and dying to our old self is that's the only way we can truly 
build the kingdom and live in community with others. I've long kind of held that while while God is consistent, I think there's 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 two sets of standards in God's kingdom. There's the the kind of pre-Christian pre-salvation standard, and then there's the standard for believers once you're you know in the kingdom. And um, I mean, God never says God holds everyone accountable for sin, but kind of um, there's a there's an expectation for sin and grace for the for the non-believer and at the same time there's an expectation of not sinning even though there's an acknowledgement of sin for the believer does that make sense it's like it's like okay well now you're it's, it's like the opposite right now you're saved now you should really start working on it you know like because i've set you free from that bondage you're not you're not in bondage any longer and i'm always drawn back to the first john um verses of you know walking in the light and but you know and when you when you act as though you do not sin or um you know you make christ a liar but then he basically says don't sin um but it is all about fellowship that's i i really like that matt it it is all about walking with other believers and walking in the body i mean it's, it's walking with christ also but I mean, maybe that's maybe that's all God's trying to get us to, right? Is is living out that that unity of of the of the body. And even then, the the uh, the Micah verse, two of the, the three things that we're required to do have to do with our relationship with other people, right? I mean, acting justly, loving mercy, and then walking humbly with your God. Um, but those first two, acting justly, loving mercy, it's all about our relationship with other people. Um, the third yeah, one it brings me back to purpose-driven life. It's not, it's not about you, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you're right. It's act, act justly. That is, that is outwardly focused. Love mercy. That is outwardly focused. I mean, even walk humbly with your God is, is, it might not be focused at people, but it's, it's outwardly focused towards God. Yeah. And I love the image of, I think this is part of why I've always loved that verse, the idea of walking we're on a, we're on a, we're on a, it's a, it's a lifetime walk. We're walking with Jesus. Yeah. Um, and it's, um, we're going to trip and stumble on that walk sometimes, but it's, it's a walk. It's a very personal, that whole verse, the way it's, the way it's constructed, it's you, it's very personal. What will you require of you? These three things. And all of it is personal, including that walk, you know, that walk you yeah. take. It's your walk with your God. Yeah, I think that um, it, it makes perfect sense, too, in, in the context of, like, you know, what parent doesn't want all their kids to get along with one another in harmony as well as with them, right? And and celebrating when they see their, their kids getting along together. So if you, if you sort of subscribe to the idea that's just not only logical, but is biblical. If God so loved the world, God, you know, loves, lo loves his, you know, loved the world that, um, you know, he wants us to love those others in that world as much as he does. And yet, you know, we're not, we're not equipped that way in our sinful state. And we're not even really equipped in it, even when our 
sins have been uh, essentially blotted out by Jesus' righteousness and the justification we get. It takes sanctification to then work that on this, on this planet. And I think it's clear he does expect that, you know, at least, you know, an effort towards it, because I think um, he wants that for his creation, but it's also good for us. I mean, great fellowship with one another is one of the, one of the key most important things in the world, really, that brings joy to us as human beings is that that good fellowship with other people that builds that connection. It's, it's not something that we can fill in any other way. We're made to want it. And so I think the sanctification is that gift towards making that, you know, ever better and ever more uh, joy giving, even when we might have to give up stuff, you know, along the way, there has to be time given out, works given out, whatever, but um, we're giving up temporal things anyways, and they're not, they're not the sort of things that are going to, you know, make us any happier in the end, uh, and exchange that for these meaningful relationships with one another, even if they're not perfect, it's, it's far better, you know, life is far better in that, in that sense. And so I think that it's a great observation about, um, you know, that this sac sanctification thing is, does seem geared towards, you know, that, that fellowship and community with, um, with one another as much as anything else. Well, that's what, um, that's what we're constantly called to do is, is, you know, it's love the Lord your God, but love your neighbor as yourself. If you love me, you will, you will love others. They will know Christians by your love. You, you know, um, take care of the widows and orphans. It, it the way, you know, if you did not, um, what, uh, visit those in prison, you know, I'm, again, I'm, I'm really messing up the verses, but the idea is that is, that is what God keeps asking of his people is not, and I think that's the thing. It's like, it's not sacrifices. It's not, it's not sacrifices. It's not, uh, giving back to God. He, he does ask for that, but it's constantly like, did you love your neighbor? You know, did you, did you take care of the poor? Did you take care of the widows? Did you, you know, did you love mercy? Did you act justly? You know, that, that is what he is always calling us back to. That's a great point, Matt. I really like that. Yeah. Although I, actually, I shouldn't say I like it because it's, that's a <laughs> yeah. high bar. <laughs> that's a really high bar. So for me, the verses this week were really challenging and, um, you know, it's easy to say, especially, you know, part of me wanted to say, oh, James, James is just being James. There's a reason why, you know, Martin Luther called James the epistle of straw. It's not pure gospel, you know, mm -hmm. just set him aside on the shelf. And I want to go with Paul because Paul has all these uplifting things to say about faith. Um, and God's grace being predominant and being, you know, the foundation on which we stand. And yet, Paul, you know, you know, Paul's got those tough, chunky verses in there too, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know that we, including, I think, I guess it's in, is it Romans where you talk about, you know, we, we need to work out your salvation. 
um, yeah. you know, like you're in a gym or something. It's uh, it's it's Paul's challenging too. So to me, it, it still remains a conundrum. It's it's not we're not going to figure it out in 20 minutes tonight, unfortunately. But um, we're not. Darn it! I thought we were going <laughs> to. But it's the yeah. in the I think is it. I think it's in Philippians where it says, work out your salvation with fear and, and trembling. Is that Philippians or was that in Ephesians? I didn't make the, the note. It was it's on Monday's Ephesians, isn't it? Yeah, it was in the, it's Paul, whoever, I, I remember. Yeah, it, was, it was definitely Paul. But the, the thing that stood out to me is I remember, I remember that section, where I, that, that, that verse, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I mean, that's not the whole verse. The piece that I had forgotten is what comes like the rest of the sentence is for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And it's, it's for God's doing this in you. And it, and it reminded me of the God is faithful and just to complete the work that he started. You know, it, it's, it is work on this because God's doing this in you. I mean, it's kind of this weird work on it because God's doing it already. You know, it, it's, and I think that's kind of, I mean, that's always how I've, I've read James. I've always actually loved the book of James. It probably just appeals to my, my black and white nature, because to me, it's just self-evident. It is, we're saved by grace. It's completely grace. And because it's completely grace, everything that I do is, isn't really me. You know, everything, every good work that I do isn't really me. It's, it's, it's Christ in me. It's the Holy Spirit in me. Yeah. It's, which, uh, which to me is an indication that when I'm not doing that, it's not that I'm failing. It's that I'm not connected. That I haven't, I haven't submitted myself to the spirit if I'm not actually living the way, the way my faith would say I should live. Yeah, it's like Peter said in the sermon on Sunday, you know, really what we're required to do is kind of get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what is it? And ask Jesus, what are we going to do today? Yeah. Right. Or what, what are you going to do through me today? Yeah. 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 It was kind of that little warning of not, not to turn even that, even the things like the, what would Jesus do can sort of be turned into a law and don't, don't turn these little things. Don't turn these ways that we should look at um, what, what a relationship with God would, Will produce in us into a law that we we do in order to gain righteousness um by the way it was philippians you were correct uh when you said that it was it was it was um with the verse from ephesians there was ephesians verse and then philippians verse. yeah yeah i knew they were both on the same day i just didn't write down which one was which but going back to the james thing i, I feel like it's um <clears throat> where he talks about like you show me your you know your faith by words that i will show you my faith by my deeds and i used to read that by you know um my deeds are what earns me my salvation but at, now i don't I, I i read that more in what i think is the correct context of my deeds are the evidence that my faith is genuine that that's what that shows you you can tell me that you believe in god but if you really believe in God, that God has saved you and poured his spirit into you and, and that that spirit loves your fellow men and women, fellow humanity, um, 
then that should produce an action in you that right. God would do. If it's not, then you're not really, you don't really have that. You might think you do, but you, it's like a, a clear, it's one of the most clear like examples of how we can, we can sort of test that our faith really uh, is real or not is, is that, that willingness to do good works. And I think, you know, we look at, we look at works like, um, you know, as though these are things that are miserable, like, well, if I'm not out, you know, you know, if I'm not out, you know, building houses in the rain and the jungle getting stung by bugs, or I don't want to be that I'm not doing a work that is meaningful, but the works are, are any, any form of service salvation in love to one another. And and I think in general, I see a lot of that in our own church and other things that there's a lot of that works in the in that sense a lot of those deeds that are just clear productions of of christians uh, of, of god's spirit in the people of our church and the fact that they aren't doing those things to gain their salvation they're just doing them because they feel led to do them and want to do them mm-hmm. is to me that's that's the kind of deeds that indication yeah. James is really sort of talking about is it produces that change of heart change of behavior and attitude I think the, the so, budget... James is okay. They don't want, they don't want, they don't want to, I don't want to pile on James too much. Cause I like even though Lutheran call Luther call it the epistle of straw. He actually preached on James. Um, what yeah. he said about James is that it's just not pure gospel. Yeah. yeah. The way that Paul is pure gospel. James is not pure gospel, but he left. I, read, I read somewhere. I don't, I haven't had a chance to check this out or not, but it surprised me supposedly nowhere in james is the uh the crucifixion and resurrection of jesus even overtly referred to Mm, yeah i've heard that before too i'm not sure if i've ever tested it but it but yeah i've heard that too it's almost like it's assumed that people reading it would already know so that's that's always been my take on james and and this is probably the filter in which i've always read it um why why I haven't had much challenge with it personally is because it seems to be a response letter. Like a lot of the other letters, it seems to be a, okay, you guys get the grace part. Don't forget this. And it's not, it's not in intended to be a, a global explanation like Romans is. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not intended to be like, all right, I'm going to take you a to Z. It's, it's intended to be like a specific, like, Hey, you guys are missing this, you know, that kind of thing to me. That's so I, I've always read it in that way that, I mean, and, and I guess if you assume that James was the brother of Jesus, the, the resurrection is assumed. (laughs) It's like, all right, we're not, we're not even talking about this. What we're going to talk about is, is this, this singular point, you know? Yeah. Good point. That's a great point. I never thought of that, but I mean, it's kind of like the gospel of John in a way where John kind of stands on its own because john didn't john was assuming people had already read the other three gospels and thus didn't feel the need to repeat some of those key details yeah Um, maybe james is sort of the the same way yeah i think it's audience driven personally i mean i think a lot of them are hebrews is to me is the same way i mean he i i love hebrews but it's so clearly you know right we know who the audience is in hebrews um the the faith works and and maybe there's I'll, I'll give a disclaimer, Peter, you can, you can edit this out if this is getting too vulnerable. Um, but, but as you were saying that, I think what also like just hit me between the eyes is that 
my my life is a really good illustration of where my faith is weak. You know, one of the things that um, there are things that I trust in God more easily than others, put it that way. And chief among the the doubts really comes down to, and I know I should, I, it should be foundational, but chief among the doubts becomes eternal life. And, and the reality is, though, I do not live my life where anyone would watch the way I live and say, yeah, he knows that this current life is temporary and there is eternal, you know, uh, life to come. And the reality is, is, is I do, I doubt that. And um, I don't want to doubt that. I want to, I want to rest in that. I think if I, if I were to write down what I believe, that would be a belief. The reality is I'm scared to die though. So that faith really can't fully be there. And I don't live in a way where I live with no fear of death. And so I, 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 when you were talking, James, I think that is the, that's the piece that started getting really convicting to me was not that I don't have faith that God is God or that Jesus died for my sins or anything like that. But there are aspects of my Christian faith that I'm like, yeah, that's a weak, that's a weak point. And I can tell it's a weak point because I don't live in a way that people would say, well, you live that way. So therefore that's what you believe. Anyway, I, it, it's, it's, I, I'm going to have to probably have some introspection, some evaluation on that over the next week. Cause it, it, like I said, when you said that, it just hit me between the eyes. Yeah. Interesting. I guess, um, I mean, I, I think there's, um, there's something to the idea of, you know, not wanting to die or being, being afraid of dying, you know, at certain points of your life, not because maybe you fear the consequences of it, you know, but that what happens to those you leave behind, I think right. when we have kids and, and we're worried about what would happen to them, that's, I didn't fear death a lot when I was younger and that mm. might just become stupid male and young and you know we know young men are not but I didn't really but when I had kids I, I really did not want <laughs> to die even when I could say yeah but I'd be in heaven and can believe that and I and I did but I still didn't want to because I didn't want what was going to happen but I, what I would see what happened to my children and that was the fear that I lived with more than anything else about dying and, and still kind of do, right? I still feel like I got work here and, and I, I need to be here, even though logically, you know, if my faith is real and I believe on my death, I'm gonna be in paradise, like the thief on the cross was promised, um, I should be like, oh, good, let's do that. <laughs> but. Yeah. I, I don't, um, but it isn't because I fear death in the sense of like, I don't believe that I will have eternal life. It's just that I, I kind of fear the impact it has. And that that is another form of faith that's struggling a bit because I struggle with the idea that God won't take care of my family or that yeah. okay uh, or whatever. I don't know. This is very vulnerable, but it, it is kind of just a reality that, um, you know, I, I I don't want them to go through that. I, I can picture what it would have been like for me to have that. And I don't 
don't want my kids to go through that. Exactly. No, I think that's, well, that's I think that's like that. Absolutely. Once you start marrying off your kids, well, James, you've married one off too, but once you, once you start marrying off your kids, like I did last week and it makes you realize, man, you're really not that indispensable after all, after all. So <laughs> it, is true. it is true. I can say, I, I just gave one of them a, I just gave one of them away. So, te- you know, technically they don't really need me anymore. <laughs> yeah. I so Maranatha, take me now. The day after um, the wedding in Idaho, when we, you know, we were still at the ranch and, and they all, that the, and Kathy Lindell took the bunch of them out horseback riding. That ranch had horses and she got them all. And Catherine and Ian went and rode horses and they came back and Catherine said something like, I, I really like this. I think I could get into this. And I realized, not my problem anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Looked over at Ian. That this one's yours, man. <laughs> There's a so what you're saying is you may be indispensable. That's a two-way street, baby. I've tapped out on that on that front. <laughs> but, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of know what you mean. It, it is interesting to realize that um, there does come that point. They they move on, and uh, and now we we wait for grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah. So we can be indispensable again. Exactly. That's where we can become indispensable again. Or or live the mirage that we're indispensable. And then we give them yeah. the kids away at the end yeah. of the day. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh let's let's wrap it up. Um yeah. anything before yeah. we close in prayer that that we haven't touched on that you that you think we've kind of missed or skipped. I think only thing I would be remiss if if I didn't at least kind of like give 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 some uh shout out to the roman six reading that that kind of i think yeah. it, it, i don't remember where it was i think because i read them all and i can't remember i think it's the last reading right it is it's, yeah, it's, it, yeah it's the last yeah. reading and uh you know that roman six is really so foundational to to christian doctrine and and lutheran doctrine and you know that we're baptized we die with christ and you know we, we we go with him in death and then he who has died has been freed from the law and and there's that that idea there's that gift that we're given you know of, of that um that you know that that going through that and now that if if he was raised up we'd be raised up with him and i love that passage i think it was a, a great one to end with because even when i can't really wrap my head around all the rest of it and and the balance of justification and sanctification and am i really doing sanctification should i even expect that i do it or do i just put my put my faith in god to work it in me or whatever but i can get i get to that moment six and i go like oh yeah that's right i, I put it all together and and that that always brings me peace that that roman yeah. six uh passage so yep that's a good word it is and it's challenging it's it reminds me of when i when i'm raising my kids when they were younger and at some point they always make this kind of transition from kind of rules to expectations you know you you transition to like you will do this or you can't do this to to like hey make your choice you know and it and there's a shift from obedience and punishment to freedom and disappointment (laughs) and it and it it is much much harder to live in freedom 
than it is to live under rules. Uh, it feels more restrictive for sure to have rules, but there's a there's a there's a comfortable little box, you know, in there, and and that's what those verses always remind me of is is that he has set us free from the law and from the bondage of sin. Oh, it's way harder now. Like <laughs> it's this is uh, it was it was easier I think in the desert with the law. Hmm still failure to failure one way or the other but but man the freedom's hard well let's uh let's pray and we'll we'll wrap it up and and uh let peter cut it down to like 22 minutes all right dear lord god thank you for uh, matt and james thanks for your word and the the discussion tonight god um I would just ask that you would fill us with your spirit and that we, that our lives would reflect uh, our relationship with you, the life that flows from you and the fruit of our faith in you. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy and your justice and help us to walk humbly. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Amen.